Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 16th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 78. The second paragraph, beginning with, Most Alcoholics Owe Money. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the 12 Steps will be Ken. Reading the 12 Traditions will be Tracy K. And reading the text will be Sharon H., Deb W., and Janice M. The share ID for Sunday, June 15th, is 6505. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ken to read the OA 12 Steps. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. 
I will now ask Tracy Kay to read the OA 12 Traditions. This is Tracy Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Canada. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 4. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Tracy Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker's, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 78, the second paragraph beginning with Most Alcoholics Owe Money. I will now ask Sharon H. to get us started. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you for your service, and welcome to everyone on the line. This is uh, Sharon H. in Colorado, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. 
telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. Um, it seems like, well, it, it is not just seems, it is a fact that when we are uh, in bondage to an addiction, it seems to take over every area of our life in a very um, painful way, and um, I certainly had this same issue with money. Um, I had always wanted to live beyond my means. I wanted to think that I had, uh, wanted to really think that you knew that I had a lot more money than I really did. And so as a result of that, I got in trouble with credit, um, charge credit cards, you know, paying um, to spending, spending, spending with uh, trying to think that I could just continue to pay the minimum amount and and so that was one of the things where my uh, uh, amends list had to include getting right with um, these undisciplined ways that I was uh, using money that I thought was my money. I made it. I earned it, blah, blah, blah. And today I see that these really are resources and gifts from, from God as I understand him today. And so I must be a wise steward of them. So I went to consumer credit counseling and... Um, had to be put on uh, a plan that would pay each one of my creditors a certain amount. And I had to cut up all my credit cards. That was part of the consequence. And um, so as a result of that, um, and those lessons have stayed with me. Um, you know, I do not um, overspend and I do not get myself in trouble by trying to believe that, again, that lie that I... Um, you know, that I have more money than I really do. And so all of these um, lessons that we learn through taking these steps and then doing and trying to make right the damage that we have created are all part of um, our growing up spiritually, mentally, and bodily, and being freed from that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body What which always led me back to um, the food, to drinking, whatever it was. And so I am very grateful that this, these pages uh, teach us how to live our lives in every area of our lives. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Sharon H. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Katie G. from Boston. This is Larry. Jenica from Pennsylvania. I heard Katie G, Larry, and Jenica. Katie G, go right ahead. Thanks, Rebecca. I appreciate your service, and thanks, everyone. Good morning. Katie G, recovered for today from Boston, Mass. So grateful to be here. And um, really at the bottom of money and my uh, financial amends was fear, right, like that I wasn't going to have enough. 
Who's going to have my back? Who's going to take care of me? How am I going to get my needs met? And what is that again? It's all selfishness, right? Like you owe me. I walked around the world um, looking, thinking somehow that people owed me money. And I got into a lot of trouble. I stole um, plenty of groceries. Um, I worked at a at a grocery store, and I stole on a regular basis. I stole groceries. I stole, um, yeah, pretty much groceries. But um, And so when I got to this amend, I was pretty nervous, right? Like I didn't want to, my ego didn't want to go to these people. And um, it was so freeing. My sponsor told me to bring cash, um, you know, to make sure, you know, that they didn't like not cash the check kind of thing. Um, I showed up with this guy and I said, you know, uh, we worked together. I worked for you, and when we were working, uh, I stole all these groceries. And uh, here, I'm here to set right the wrong. And um, you know, he didn't pat me on the back and say, "Great job," but he took the money, and I was free, right? And that's what this is about. You know, what I hear is, you know, again, we are liable to eat if we if we don't face this stuff. And um, the scariest one that I had to face was the one that I had the most control, felt the most control around. I had lied um, about a woman um, and, and my behavior uh, interacting at work. And so she was not able to get unemployment. And I was afraid if I told the unemployment office this, that I lied, that I would lose my unemployment. Again, whose welfare am I always looking out for, right? Like still scared, still totally scared. And it took a while, and my, my sponsor and I prayed, and I talked to other women in the program, and it became very clear the actions that I need to take, needed to take. And I went to the unemployment office, and I told them what had happened. I told them what I had done, you know, and, and nothing was taken from me. In fact, you know, like what was taken from me, my selfishness, my shame, my fear, you know, and I can be alone and at perfect peace and ease, and I still can have that impulse. But today what's different is I have that thought like I'm at a yoga studio and I want to slip in so nobody sees me because they owe me that yoga class. And what do I do? I stand there. I become one among many. I say, okay, I have the money to pay for this, so I'm going to show up. And what's so amazing is to have integrity, you know, to not be like thinking that everybody owes me and to be an adult, right, to take my patent leather shoes off, put my big girl shoes on and not be living in dishonesty and, and being, being able to pay my bills. Like what, what a miracle, you know. And I thought my thinking, again, where is the main problem? My thinking, my thinking is I need to figure out how I'm going to get my needs met so nobody takes my stuff away. Right? And what's so amazing is through the process of, that have led me up to my amends and my ongoing work in 10 and 11, like I've gotten free from self and I know the solution today. You know, and that is the miracle. So hold on to your socks. If you, if you haven't done this work, don't worry about it. Like keep on, stay with the stuff you're on. This is a lot of work and I needed, for me, maybe not other people, I needed a lot of support and a lot of guidance about how to approach people, to make an appointment, to bring cash, things like that. Um, but when you're, when you're here and you're rocking in 10, 11, and 12, it is not to be missed. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry? Larry? Star one? We may have lost Larry. Jenica, would you go ahead and then we'll check back with Larry? 
Can you hear me? Hello, this is Jenica. Oh, hi, Jenica. Um, I'm sorry, did I... Is it time for me? Right. Larry didn't speak up, so we'll have you go next. Okay, well, thank you. Um, Visions for you. It's good to be here on this meeting this morning. And immediately the topic of paying our debts just really inspired me to say something. Um, And what I notice about this step is, um, is the... It's honesty, really, like the really deep honesty that we are asked to do. And and honesty around money is, you know, something that is very important and also very scary, especially if we have acted wrongly with money. But it's just another way that I can um, bring God into my life by being honest about what I have done and... um, you know, honest with my fellows, and people might get upset about it. And, but I have to, you know, do what I have to do for my own recovery. And I need to leave people's reactions up to God. And it's interesting that, you know, my own experience around money is actually one more of restriction. Um, and I heard somebody use the term once, like, oh, a, a anorexic spender. And um, there definitely are areas of my disease which are much more into restriction. I can flip-flop between, you know, the compulsive overeating and the restrictive eating, and um, and that goes right into my other behaviors. And so my tendency is to not spend and to not get myself the things that I need when it's time, you know, just to use them use my clothes until that they are tattered and, and and not go to the grocery store until I don't have anything left at all in my um in my house and um I have learned that that's not taking care of myself. That taking care of myself is getting what I need, you know, and even um getting a little bit extra in case I can't go out. My sponsor has said, Well why don't we get two of these so that, you know, you don't have to to scramble, um, you know, when you run out. And that has been a blessing to me to learn how to take care of myself. And I think that's what, for, that's what I'm learning in the program is that, that um, I am learning to stop hurting myself. And some of the ways that I hurt myself are with food. And some of the ways that I hurt myself are with lack of food. And um, some of the ways that I hurt my spirit and my relationships are with money and, and things about property. But, but honesty is truly a way to um, come to peace about all those issues with myself and with my higher power and with my fellows. And I do have to surrender everyone else's reaction to my higher power. I can't control that, but I can have recovery in my life if I can come to honesty. So that's what I have to share, um, and I pass. Thank you, Jenica. Larry, are you on the line? Can you hear me now? Yes. Ah, good. You know, I used to have a problem with technology. Now I, I see the beauty in technology, regardless of what it's doing. I couldn't unmute Anyways, Larry, Recovered Compulsive Overeater uh, from Chicago, thank you for your service. 
Um, you know, okay, so it says, of course, most alcoholics owe money. You know, we do not dodge our creditors. Um, you know, the principle of step nine is, is justice. You know, it's uh, we've already subjected ourselves to a self-appraisal. Now, we're going to go about cleaning up our side of the street by making amends to the people, you know, we've harmed. And again, devoid of the willingness, the, the, the text instructs us that if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Uh, so the, the text is giving us an option of pausing here. But, um, yeah, I owed money. <laughs> no doubt. You know, most addicts do. Um, I stole money, you know, and I stole money, uh, you know, when I was younger, uh, certainly knew right from wrong, but I was so, uh, you know, self-centered to the extreme. There was, I was aware of God, uh, but I did not have a God consciousness. I did not have access to the God of my understanding. So stealing money, uh, you know, from my own father, you know, uh, put right out of the register, right out of the cash register. Um, this is what people, you know, dishonest people do. I didn't mean to harm anyone. You know, you, there was certainly evidence you would have, you would have seen of, of me being a, you know, I did good things at times, you know, um, even a clock is a broken clock is right twice, two times a day. Right. You know, I did good things, but I was not honest. The principle step one is honesty. See, all these steps are built upon, and the principles behind them are built upon one after the other. So that's why, you know, when I came into program, because I wanted to get rid of the symptom. I wanted to get rid of the food and get thin. You know, that would solve all my problems. I wasn't honest yet. I wasn't, uh, I didn't come to believe in anything, that, you know, that would restore me to sanity. I wanted to go out and make amends right away. These steps are sequential. It's a process. And, um, you know, and I got to the point by the grace of, of a loving creator that I could indeed, I had the honesty and the integrity to go out and make amends um, and, and, and pay that money back and admit, you know, from a sincere place of where I was, um, not making excuses you know, um, talking about my alcoholism, talking about my compulsive overeating, not using it as an excuse, but what I was trying to do and cleaning up the side of my side of the street. See, th this is the whole thing, is that a spiritual awakening, my experiences in the big book, you know, uh, certainly makes this quite clear, that the spiritual awakening doesn't come about because I want it. It doesn't come about because I need it. You know, I needed it. Boy, did I need it. Didn't come about. I wanted it. Let me tell you, when I stuffed my face again and again, and I had, like Leah says, tombstones in my in my eyes, you know, tears and so forth, I, I wanted it. But I wasn't willing to do it. And now through this beautiful process, this spiritual toolkit laid at my feet, when you go through this sequentially, you get to the point of doing the work. You know, a sponsor asked me, the other day, you know, I'm going through step four. I feel like it's math homework. I said, yeah, that, that's what it felt like to me. So people vary. You know, they vary in their feelings, you know. But I did it. You do it anyway. You feel the fear. You feel nothing. You, feel, you do it anyway. And then God ushers you through this process, and you get to a point in having a, a personality change, a complete uh, shift. And you get to the point where you can admit pilfering money from your dad's cash register you know, among other harms that I caused. I'm very grateful for this program. It saved my life.
And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Did anyone else want to share on this paragraph? Janice? Janice M.? Hi, Janice M. Go ahead. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Good morning to all. My name is Janice M. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, uh, the very first sentence, most alcoholics owe money. Oh, then I'm not the only one, huh? And, you know, my story is a little bit different here because, you know, um, in in concerns like Larry was saying, a, a family business. So here I am running this business and uh, feeling justified because my father, who was my, was my partner, you know, he used his profits, uh, the, the school profits, for his own addictions, and I felt entitled. Oh, boy, that was the problem. And, you know, I didn't know any of this until I started the fourth step, fifth step, sixth step. And, um, you know, I just went through life thinking, well, you know, I'm entitled to it. You know, first of all, the business is is closed, and all the remaining um, money um, is going to go to me. Um, And, uh, you know, I felt like, well, I deserve this. However, that money was not mine. That was the business's money. So when I have to repay that money, whether the um, because of the dishonesty, whether I have to, um, whether um, I have to give up that money because first of all it wasn't even mine to begin with. So there's a lot of self-sacrifice. So I said to you know, and going through the steps is, well, how am I going to repay this? There's no more business. Well, you know, the spiritual awakening. You know, it's the process. It's the journey. Through the spiritual awakening, aha, it came to me through my higher power that, you know what, okay, I can't give it back and pay it back to the business because it's no longer there, but what I can do is perhaps make some contributions. I can make contributions to the seventh tradition of a a 12-step program if I want to, little by little, to pay it back. That was an intuitive thought for me. And did I feel free? Oh, boy, you can bet I do. And I lost, and the most important thing, that I lost all my fear, okay, no matter how far I had to go, because I did not want to eat compulsively. See, nobody would have known. Nobody, except God, of course. So you see, if I balk, I'm going to suffer. So thank you for um, listening, and I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. This is Rebecca. Judy. Oh, go ahead, Judy. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. Thanks so much. This is Judy F. from Massachusetts, Compulsive Overeater. Good to be here. And um, what I can identify with is definitely I, um, I, I stole from many businesses I was in. Um, one in particular, they had candy that was on an honesty policy so you just put it in the kitty and um well I never did that and I ate a lot, a lot of candy. So when it came to this step, my sponsor said the the business actually um was sold and um to another big company. So um she suggested that I I pay it to um to um, to donate it, but not to donate it with my check due or money order so that it did not 
come back to me. So I don't get any credit because I shouldn't get any credit for anything that I already owe that it wasn't my money to begin with. And that was an important principle in this that, you know, I don't, I don't want to look good because I'm just amending something that I did in disease that was wrong. And so um, I did write um, a lot of checks to um, different different um, agencies, and um, and I did it anonymously. And with that, um, I was given such freedom that um, you know, just that the I wasn't enslaved to money either, because um, I too treat money with like food to me, and um, I could binge on it, and I could be anorexic and um, and restrict. And it had power. It was an idol for me, and it, it got in the way of God. And I don't want anything today to get in the way of my relationship with God. So um, that was a great suggestion to do it anonymously, so I didn't get any credit, and I could, in the spiritual realm, I could make that amends and be free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy S. This is Rebecca, recovered compulsive overeater. Toby? Hi, Toby. I'll go and then you could go, okay? Okay, thank you. Sure. Um, I was just thinking, first of all, about um, on page 84 in the Ninth Step Promises where it says fear of economic insecurity will leave us. And it's just amazing how just because I had a problem with food, I couldn't see how insidious this disease is, and that it permeates every part of my life. And who would think that because I wanted to lose weight, I would find a program that would teach me how to operate and live a wholesome, clean, um, guilt-free life uh, by taking care of all sorts of things that were preying on me, weighing on me. Uh, I call them bricks I'm carrying around in a sack on my back. And, you know, just like it says on page 69, we all have sex problems. Here it's saying most alcoholics owe money. Most of us have some kind of money problem. We either have too much or too little or don't handle it properly. And um, what a gift that this program helps us with every facet of our lives so that we can be free of the chains that we've created that bind us and allow us to walk on this planet happy, joyous, and free. With that, I'll pass. And Toby, you're next. Thank you. Um, This is Toby, uh, recovered, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater and addict. Um, This part of the step was very hard for me because I was told by a fellow uh, who was in the program who was also an attorney that you had to be careful when you made financial restitutions to a company because um, they could, if they wanted to, uh, 
bring charges against you. And so I was really frightened about doing it. And um, there were a couple of places, um, stores. There was a, there's a, there was a department store in the Boston area. And I used to buy a dress or clothes. And because I was compulsively eating, uh, after the event, I buy an expensive dress, and after the event, um, of course, the dress never fit me again. And so I would save the tags, and I'd return it after wearing it. And they always took it back. The store never asked any questions, and I thought this was the greatest thing. And I did it more than once. So when the time came to make amends to this department store, um, I went there in person. I went there in person with cash. And I said to the clerk, um, I'd like to donate this to the store. And she said, we can't take it. We don't know what to do with it. And I said, well, I'm going to leave it. What you decide to do with it uh, is up to you. And I told her why, and then I walked away. I didn't say my name, um, and then I walked away. And the feeling, I mean, I was so petrified when I, before I went there. But I prayed, and as my sponsor said, just bring God with you, which I did. And um, I had what, the cash in an envelope. And when I walked away, I don't think I walked. I think I was floating. And um, it was one of the best feelings that I had. And it helped me do all the other financial restitutions that I needed to do um, for the, all the stealing that I did, sometimes of actual money, but mostly it was uh, good that I felt justified. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Toby. Judith? Okay, Judith. Go ahead. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, everybody. Judith, compulsive eater in Vermont. The best um, creative amend I ever made because my sponsor was so clever was that I... I had stolen a blouse from from a store when when we were on tour and so I mean it was in a a city that I never went to and so it would be impossible to go back to that store and she suggested that I buy a blouse for someone else and so I chose a teenage daughter of a friend of mine um who was a single mom and didn't have much money and the amazing thing was how much fun I had with her taking her out to a store and buying her a blouse. So I am forever grateful for that amend with that that. Thank you, Judith. Why don't we move on to the next paragraph with Deb W. Rebecca, can you hear me? Yes, Deb. 
Hi, it's Deb W. Morning, all. I'm recovered compulsive from Oklahoma. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if we were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we are sure we would be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we are divorced and have remarried, but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She is indignant about it and has a warrant for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. When I go back over this uh, reading, uh, the words that kind of come to me are, in our first sentence, it says, perhaps we have committed a criminal offense which might land us in jail if it were known. And so those are the secrets that I keep. I try to recall what is it that I don't even remember probably, don't want to remember that is not known that I did, that I the life that I lived in secret. Um, it's okay because nobody knows about it. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. So now our faults are exposed, you know. Um, and my own ability to fix it is not, I can't do it because I'm unable to make it good. I don't have the money. I'm in a corner. Um, life has gotten me there, and God has allowed it so that I have to look at those things rather than to run from them. We have already admitted, so I am admitting this to another person. Uh, first of all, I have to recall it myself because most of the things that I did that I shouldn't have done, I just dismiss them quickly and justify them. So then, you know, doing this uh, inventory, I am now looking over what is it that keeps coming to mind. And God will continue to bring those things up. They will surface because where I had them stuffed, uh, by eating them away, they were um, toxic and laying um, uh they're toxic, but we are sure we would be in prison or lose our job if it were known. So we're afraid, and and we we're living in fear. So we're keeping that secret, and we're assuming that we know all, and we are, we're assuming that we know what would happen to us because, of course, anybody else would be in prison for some of the things I've done. I deserve to be there, and maybe it's only a petty offense. Uh, so there I go, justifying it you know, padding the expense account. Uh, there I have loose ends, uh, you know, that, that make me eat over them. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we're divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. I'm keeping at odds at other people. I mean, we can't afford that. I mean, at people who are not happy with us. This person's indignant about it. I can relate to it in that, you know, I have a, a, a son that doesn't pay child support for most of the children that he has, you know, brought into this world. But you know what? I can sometimes get indignant when the mothers come to me about something that he hasn't done. Well, how dare I? Because if it were the other way around, I would want 
that my son or anybody treated like anyone in this world would be treated who do not do the things that they're responsible for. So, you know, why do I want to have people who uh, I love not have to pay the same price as others? And so the way I treated that person because of their anger at my son, you know, that is I have to, you know, I, I have to account for that behavior. So, uh, you know, I have to look at, at all these things. And these things, you know, keep me from being out of the realm of peace with God. And I can't afford to be anywhere uh, trying to stay out of the food, but it's within the realm of peace. So I search deeply for any of these things and am willing today to expose the dark to the light and uh, and be healed. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. Mm-hmm. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Did someone speak up and I didn't catch their name or... I'm sorry, I thought I might have missed someone. Okay, maybe not. This is Rebecca, recovered compulsive overeater. Perhaps this topic is scaring everyone off. (laughs) Um, You know... It's hard to look at ourselves and dig through our past and face the truth about what we've probably been lying about to ourselves, that we've actually committed a crime. Um, And as Deb was speaking and reading and speaking, I was actually making a list of things that perhaps I hadn't uncovered or fully addressed, and um, I'm happy for the opportunity to dig a little deeper and look closer at some things that I may, I, I'm not going to even say may have, I have um, thought weren't that bad or uh, were unimportant, and it's time to take a closer look. And thank goodness I have all of you, and thank God um, to to do that with. And if anyone else would like to share, feel free to take a turn. With that, I'll pass. Hi, this is Nancy O. from Ohio. Can you hear me okay? Sure can, Nancy. Go ahead. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here as always and for all of you. And I found a way when I was 39 years old. And I carried around my whole life, up until then, the guilt and shame of when I was a little girl of of taking things, of stealing from stores. And uh, I, I even had a... Um, a religious figure or a circumstance where, you know, a monthly uh, we could speak to someone on this. And, um, but yet I would 
even lie to them. And and I didn't want to admit uh, that I had done this. And uh, when I when I came to, into OA at 39 was the first time that I was able to release this to um, a clergy person. And then it was it was still a few years later that I finally was able to do financial amends. Of course, the stores were, weren't there, um, but there were ways that I could do it with my sponsor's guidance. And it was so freeing to let go of the guilt and shame that I had carried from, from those few times that I stole um, as a little girl. so And I was 12 and 13. I'm, I'm not saying real little, but I knew, I knew better. And I know better today too. And I'm just so grateful for all of you and that there is another way to live. I have a new chance at life. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy O. Anyone else on this paragraph? This is Nancy. Go ahead, Nancy. Nancy and then Elaine. Hi, I'm Nancy and um, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Actually, in my disease, I did wind up in jail. Um, One time, 12 hours, it was devastating, absolutely devastating. And then I got bailed out, and uh, a couple weeks later, I was in court. And the it was a long time ago, and the judge said, $300 or three months in jail. And I quickly went to my boyfriend and said, you've got to get me out of this mess. And he did. He gave me $300, and, and off I was, free as a bird again. Um, but, you know, I broke up with him as soon as I could, would not speak to him again, would not answer his phone calls. Why? because Nancy owed him $300. (laughs) And that was my method of operation, Um, was to take it, you know, everything had to be about me, me, me. Um, So now, 40 years later, and I'm in recovery, I can't even remember his first name, let alone his last name. (laughs) So what I did was I I took the money, uh, I had to pay it in installments, and I gave it to charity. So every month I would write a check to charity, and um and pay it back and wow what a relief what a relief and with that I will pass thank you thank you Nancy Elaine hi this is Elaine compulsive reader in Massachusetts and um I just want to thank everybody for sharing and thank you Rebecca for um acknowledging that there are some things that came to mind for you um I I had the same experience where, you know, I, I made amends. I made amends to a store. It was really fulfilling for me, um, the experience that I had. But, um, but I realized that there are other incidences that um, they didn't come up. You know, there were 40 years ago when I, they just, they just didn't occur to me. And so um, I love the fact that there's someone who says this is a circular program that just because I've done the steps, it doesn't mean that I can't do the work. It doesn't mean that I can't take a look at, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I may have harmed that person or I did harm that person, and um, let me take this opportunity to to take a look at it. And um, I'm just so very grateful that that 
the program doesn't end. It's just like a vision for you. You know, it's not like you check in for 12 weeks and then you check out and never come back. But we have the opportunity to take a look at this stuff, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year. And uh, the big book says that more will be revealed. And um, I was reading another program piece of literature that said that, you know, when we're ready, that's when God reveals it to us. And so, um, again, I thank you for your honesty because, um, you know, of course, my perfectionism says, oh, I didn't do a a thorough eight step. I didn't really look at everybody I had harmed. But um, you know what? Just more has been revealed. And uh, I'm grateful for that. With that, I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Did anyone else want to share on this paragraph? Okay, Janice, would you like to read the next? Oh, Leah, go right ahead. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, recovered compulsive overeater. That bottom line there, um, most of us have done that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, perhaps this discussion is making a few people shake in your boots, um, but just a reminder, you know, to press into whatever step you're in. And, you know, it's true, um, you know, if if our thinking is distorted and twisted, then our actions are going to be distorted and twisted. And that twistedness and that distortion and the pervertedness is expressed in all facets of our lives. You know, um, my core belief systems were very crippled and and not well. <laughs> my value systems had a lot of conflicts. And, um, you know, that was um, expressed in all kinds of things. Um, you know... <laughs> On the surface, you know, it looked like every month numbers and numbers and numbers, tens and tens and tens of bad checks, uh, you know, were sent from the bank uh, to my mailbox, which kind of baffled my roommates. Um, you know, and it would be, you know, like $11.79 to Seven uh, Eleven. you know, insufficient funds, stamp you know, check after check after check after check from this establishment and that establishment. Um, You know, there had been a couple of arrests um, that were involved uh, through my years of addiction. Um, You know, these are not pretty things to face, not pretty things to talk about by any means. Um, And this is the consequence of addiction. You know, this is the consequence that I lived because of the mayhem and madness of my illness, which was a spiritual malady at its root. You know, it looked like insufficient funds. It looked like a pair of handcuffs on my wrist. It looked like, um, you know, uh, you know, just a good girl gone bad. But um, it was a lost, broken, young woman that needed to be found. And this program of recovery took that broken woman and put her back together. And, you know, this is a hard path. This is not an easy path. The disease is very, very painful. And it seeped into every facet of my life. There was not one facet of my life that was not 
diminished or deteriorated or disintegrated um, because of my illness, which went way beyond, you know, food and weight. Food and weight are not our problems. Food and weight were symptoms of our problems. I had a living problem. You know, I had core beliefs that were very crippled and very sick, and perhaps those survival mechanisms allowed me um, to persevere through very difficult circumstances. But as an adult, obviously, um, it was uh, creating tremendous havoc and chaos throughout all of my life. So, you know, the big book reminds me, almost none of us liked uh, this process. You know, a process which requires um, honesty, rigorous honesty, perseverance, um, you know, and stick to through these application of these steps. But what is, a cho- what is the choice for someone like me? <laughs> what is the choice for a real compulsive overeater with a real compulsive overeater's mind? Once again, there's only two doors to continue to eat my way to death, to continue to live this way. Uh, which deteriorates every facet of my life, every light, every part of my life was diminished. You know, there's that, there's that saying I, uh, that I relate to very, very well. My life was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. What was a good girl like me ending up in a police station? For goodness sakes, I'm an Ivy League girl. You know, I was brought up with good values and good principles. What am I doing here? Well, almost none of us like this process. Almost none of us like this process. But what is the choice for someone like me? You know, what is the choice for someone like me? I have to consummate this process. I thought I could find an easier, softer way, but I could not. But I could not. Thank God for the program of recovery that led me out of those shackles and into a life of freedom. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Does anyone else want to share before we wrap up on this paragraph? Maria? Go ahead, Maria. Thank you, Rebecca. Maria, compulsive overeater in Wisconsin. And the two things um, are on my mind this morning. One is that when I was about 11 years old, I filled up a penny bag of candy and walked out the store. And when I got home, my father discovered it. And he brought me back to the store and called out the store manager and made me tell the store manager what I had done. And... um, I had to be prepared to do whatever the store manager wanted me to do, including, you know, turn myself into the police if that's what he wanted. And at the time, of course, I thought that was the worst thing that ever could have happened. And um, what I realized many years later was what a blessing my father had given me because um, I never stole again, ever. And so when I got to the financial amends part of my fourth step, I actually didn't have a lot of um, financial amends to make. And what that helped me to realize is that with my small compulsive overeating mind, 
I really can't see what's best for me. And that when I don't get my way, when God doesn't give me what I want, of course, I assume it's the worst thing that could happen to me. Uh, But as time goes by, in retrospect, um, I get to see that I don't know what's best for me. And when I can just step aside and um, get out of the way and let God lead the show, it always leads me to a better place than the place that I would have led myself. And the second thing that's on my mind this morning is that um, where it talks about uh, do we owe child support. Well, I didn't owe child support um, when I was raising my daughter, but what I had to look at when I read that sentence in the book was, What other ways was I not available to my daughter? Did I not um, meet my obligations as a mother to my daughter when I was raising her because of my disease, because um, my head was stuck in a box or a bag, um, and so that I wasn't available to her emotionally or physically, or I just wasn't present. And so um, that's how I had to read that uh, paragraph, that sentence, and um, look at my own behavior as a mother and to own up to the fact that because of my disease, there was were ways that I was not available to my daughter and uh, to make amends for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. I now invite everyone who cares to... No? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Janice M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Certainly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.